So you're back from spring break, and, and the great thing about having a late spring break like you guys had, it was super late, by the way, but the great thing about that is you get back, and yeah, finals are looming, and finals are coming up in the next couple of weeks, and you've got projects you got to get done, and group projects that you're going to be working on, and things you got to do for school, um, but what's so cool is even though finals and all that is looming, summer is so close, it's like tangible, Right? Like you can like see it on your calendar, you can taste it in the ice cream, you can like see it out on the green, and you can just feel it, and you can touch, kind of, not really, I don't know how you touch summer, but, but it's so close that it's almost tangible. And, and so what I wanted to do was, I wanted to spend a couple of weeks talking about your summer time. And, and not, just, not just the season summertime, okay, but, but, but quite literally, I wanted to spend a couple of weeks talking about your summer time. And the reason why I wanted to do that is twofold. And the first one is this, is that your time is your most valuable asset, right? Like the most valuable thing that you have and the most valuable thing that you own isn't anything materially. It's your time. You can't make more of it. You can't get it back once it's gone. And there's a limited amount of time, right? Like we got a certain number of days on this earth until we die. And I don't mean to be morbid, right? But, but you, would, you would agree that over and above anything that you own, over and above any of your material things, the most valuable thing that you have is your time. And that's why Moses in Psalm 90, he, te- he says, uh, he's crying out to God and he says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days. Hey, teach us to be intentional with the limited amount of time that we have. And when we do that, we might gain a heart of wisdom, that, that our time is so valuable and so precious that the way we use it and the way we manage it is actually a matter of wisdom. So, so one of the reasons I want to talk about your summer time is because time is really, really valuable. But the second reason I want to talk about it is because your summer time as a college student is limited, right? You only get a certain number of summers as a college student. And then after you're a college student, you don't get those three months off anymore, right? Like when your occupation changes from student to employee at wherever you work, all of a sudden you don't get three months off anymore. You get like 10 days. Not bitter at all, right? Like that's just... Your vacation is is very, very limited. It's very, very different, right? And you only have a few summers left. I mean, even if you're a freshman, if all goes well, right, you've got four summers. If things go really well, you've got five summers. You know, it just kind of depends on how you look at it. But but here's, and I'm not saying that because I'm like, oh, I'm going to be your dad and tell you about the real world 10 days vacation. No, no, that's not, my point is this, is that if generally your time is, time in general is already at a premium, if that's true, which it is, then your summer time as a college student is at an even higher premium because never again in your life will you do anything where you get three months off just because it's summer. So that's why I want to spend some time talking about your summer time. And I want to ask this question, what are you going to make of your summer time? What are you going to make of it, right? It's valuable, and summertime as a college student is even a little bit more valuable because it's really, really unique to get that kind of title. So what are you going to make of it? Now, regardless of what you're doing this summer, regardless if you have a job lined up or you're taking classes or whatever you have planned, 
right? There's always a little bit of extra and excess time when it comes to summer. You, you always just have a little bit of extra and excess time. And, and one of two things typically happen when you have extra or excess time. And the first is sometimes we just end up wasting it, right? Like you don't know what to do with all that extra time, and so you end up wasting it. There's no plan, right? There's no, you don't have any goals set, days go by, right, in the words of Keith Urban, and you just kind of like keep going, and, and life just happens. And, and with all this excess time, you just think I've got all the time the world. I don't need to really make any plans. And it's so easy to kind of look back and think, well, man, I, I wasted it. I didn't, I didn't really do anything with it. You had so much that you didn't really think to do something intentional with it. And so oftentimes with our excess amount of time, we tend to waste it. The second thing we tend to do when we have extra or excess time is uh, that we tend to do things that we regret. Let me kind of explain that. Um, when you're bored, right, and you have nothing to do, it gives your mind space to, 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 to wander, and it gives your mind space to move and think. And, and really, um, boredom, this is, uh, boredom exponentially multiplies temptation. That's crazy. Like, the more, that, that boredom multiplies temptation. In fact, just to give you a really simple example, a, um, one of the triggers for people who kind of get tempted into watching pornography is boredom. Now, I'm not like trying to like get all crazy, but, but boredom will make your mind wander, and boredom will kind of make your mind think different things, and you kind of want to do something, and then all of a sudden, oftentimes with a lot of extra or excess time, you end up doing something that you regret. Now, look, your time is way too valuable to waste, and your time is way too valuable to, to, to do anything that will lead you to regret. Specifically, your summer time as a college student is far, far too valuable. So I want to talk a little bit about how you can maybe make this the best summer that you've ever had. And the Bible actually talks a lot about time, especially in the wisdom literature, which is where we're going to be today. We're going to be in the book of Proverbs. And, and here's what's so cool about wisdom literature is it's not about what's right or what's wrong. Oftentimes in wisdom literature, it's about what's best. And in Proverbs, most of it is written by uh, King Solomon, um, who if you know, right, he was the wisest person that ever lived. He, God said you could have whatever you want, and he asked for wisdom. So when you're the wisest person that ever lives, you write a whole book in the Bible on wisdom. And, and in this book, he basically says, hey, this is how life is lived best. And specifically in Proverbs chapter 6, which is where we're going to be tonight, um, he tells us how time is used best. So this is what he says. Verses will be up on the screen. In Proverbs 6, verse 6, he says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. So go to the ant, you sluggard. So he's got the ant and a sluggard. The ant is an is a insect species, right, that, that we all don't like and maybe you're afraid of. And then the sluggard, the sluggard is a person whose life is defined by laziness. And even more specific than laziness, um, a sluggard throughout the book of Proverbs is somebody who lacks initiative, they never start anything, they lack follow-through, they never finish anything, and they lack responsibility. They always make excuses. And so Solomon is saying, hey, you sluggard, you, the one that, that lacks initiative, that lacks follow-through, that lacks responsibility, whose entire life is kind of defined by laziness, I want you to consider the ant. I want you to observe the ant. Now, the ant, on the other hand, right, like even if you don't like ants on your picnic, if you want to waste some 
good time of your life when if you need a study break, go YouTube ants. They're unbelievable creatures. It's unbelievable. I'm not even kidding. It will blow you away, these little things. They're so industrious. They're so economical, and they work so, so hard. In fact, again, if you YouTube, you don't have to. I'm just saying you might enjoy it. There's this one YouTube video of these archaeologists, maybe not archaeologists, I don't know, ants, scientists, whatever you call them, and they went to this, they found this abandoned ant colony in Africa. Okay, the, the video made sure to, to tell us that it was an abandoned ant colony, right? In case, like, as if I would care. Ants, okay. Anyway, so it was, no ants were harmed in the filming of this video. And, um, and so what they did was they pumped, they found where, like, the entryway to the ant colony was, and they pumped it with cement. Pumped it, pumped it, pumped it with cement. Uh, they, they filled it with 10 tons of cement. That's 10,000 pounds, for those of you that aren't sure what a ton is. And so they filled it with 10,000 pounds of cement. And then they let it sit for 30 days, and then they got in and started digging it out and excavating it. And this is what they found. They found this ant monstropolis. I mean, look how big this is. All these, all these little crevices and, and tunnels and these little pockets. And I mean, there's so many more pictures in and out throughout this whole thing. They could not believe what they found. That these tiny little ants, yeah, you're going to freak out next time you see an ant. These tiny little ants made this unbelievable underground city. And what they said was, they said that this would be a human equivalent to the Great Wall of China. Now, there is one Great Wall of China, and there are probably millions of these underground uh, cities, right? And ants are about to take over the world, right? And so these ants, these ants are super industrious and super economical. And so King Solomon says, hey, you sluggard, the the one one whose life is defined by laziness, I want you to look to the ant, Consider the, A's, the ways of the ant. And then the implication that Solomon is making is that by its ways, the ant shows wisdom. And subsequently, the sluggard, by its ways and by the way that it lives its life, it shows a lack of wisdom. And so Solomon goes on to explain exactly why that's the case. Look at verse 7. So he says, go to the ant, you sluggard, consider its ways and be wise. Verse 7, the ant, it has no commander, commander no overseer or ruler, yet... It stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. So it has no commander to tell it what to do. It has no overseer to expect its work. And it has no ruler to prod over it. No, no, the ant, the ant just does what it's supposed to do. That even though it has no one telling it what to do, yet, yet, even though it's not what you would expect from someone or something that doesn't have a leader, yet, Even though you wouldn't expect someone to be that responsible, right, yet, even though it has no one telling it what to do, it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. That that the, the Solomon is commending the ant for its responsibility and its initiative. And here's what the ant understands, that its time is limited. And there's a particular time to do certain things. And that it doesn't need anyone to tell it what to do. It just knows that it needs to do it. And it completes it. And it's responsible. And it gets the job done. The ant understands that, hey, the best time to store up food is during the summer. Because it's harder to get food in the wintertime, right? And the ant understands that the best time to gather some food is during the harvest. Because there's going to be a lot of food. And so everything, do you remember? All the things that the sluggard lacks initiative, follow through, and responsibility is the very thing that the ant exemplifies to the nth degree. Initiative, follow-through, and responsibility. Essentially, here's what the ant does. The ant understands its limited amount of time, it understands that its time is valuable, and it understands there's certain things it should do with its time. The ant invests its time wisely. 
really, really simple, right? The ant invests its time wisely. And then Solomon, in verse uh, 9, he goes back to the sluggard. And he said, how long will you lie there, you sluggard? When, when will you get up from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. So Solomon here comes back at the sluggard and he says, okay, hey, look, you need to pay attention to this ant, okay? Look what it does, look what it can do. I'm telling you, Solomon's argument would have been way stronger if they had YouTube back then, okay? But he goes to the sluggard and he gives two rhetorical questions and then a warning. Now, you know this, right? A rhetorical question doesn't require a response, okay? If someone asks you a rhetorical question and you want to look like an idiot, respond to them and give them an answer. A rhetorical question is meant to make a point. It's meant to emphasize something, and it doesn't need an answer. And so Solomon here asks these two rhetorical questions. He says, hey, look, how long are you going to sleep? How long are you going to lie there? And the implication is, hey, stop being lazy, right? Lying around, sleeping, the folding of the hands are very indicative of laziness. And so Solomon is saying, hey, stop being lazy. And I think it's so interesting that he uses the word rest here. He's talking about this sluggard who's being lazy, and he's urging it to not be lazy. And then he says, hey, look, I know what you're doing, right? A little sleep here, a little slumber there, and then a little folding of the hands to rest. I think Solomon uses that sarcastically because I don't think that he really believed that this sluggard was just resting because rest is actually a really good thing. You should rest. But I think this is Solomon's point. Isn't it so easy to confuse laziness with rest? Like, you think you're resting, but you're really being lazy, but your excuse is like, it's a long semester, mom. A long semester. I had to go to school for five months in a row, you know? And it's like, I'm just going to be lazy. No, I'm going to neglect my responsibility because I'm resting. But resting and laziness, you know this, right? They're not the same thing. Resting is intentional ceasing from work to relax or refresh. But laziness, on the other hand, is an unwillingness to work and exert any energy. They're polar opposites. They're not the same thing. Rest is absolutely necessary. Laziness is not, right? Rest, rest actually rejuvenates you, and rest is you stepping away for your benefit, but laziness is neglecting responsibility to your detriment. I think Paul's, uh, not Paul, we talk about Paul a lot. I think Solomon's point is this. Hey, don't confuse rest with laziness. It's, It's not the same thing. They couldn't be more opposite. And we're going to talk a little bit more about rest here in just a second. So he gives these rhetorical questions. He's saying, hey, stop being lazy. And then he gives a warning. He gives a really interesting warning there at the end. And he says, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. Now, I've got to talk about what this this, this particular type of warning. This is a very subtle distinction, but it's a really important distinction. This isn't a warning of punishment. Right? Solomon isn't like the sluggard. Hey, listen, if you don't do this, then punishment will happen. God will punish you or someone will punish you and poverty and scarcity will be the result of your life. This isn't a warning of punishment. It's not the kind of warning you give a five-year-old and say like, hey, if you don't eat your green vegetables, then you have to go to your room. Like, that's a warning of punishment. This is a very different kind of warning. Solomon is warning the sluggard and he's warning us and he's saying, hey, listen, If you live life like this, this is what will happen because this is how life works. 
He's saying, hey, the sluggard's actions and our lazy actions, look, it's not a form of punishment. It's, hey, this is just how life works. If you do this, this will just happen because that's how life works. And here's why that's an important distinction, because you can't argue with that. Right? We can't argue with that. You can argue with a punishment. You can say that a punishment is unfair. You can say that the punishment was not just and you did not deserve to be punished. But whenever something happens in your life because of yourself, you have no one to blame but yourself. And so I think Solomon's point is this. Hey, sluggard, you have no one to blame here except yourself. It's all on you. And that's why you can't argue with wisdom. That's why I can't argue with wisdom. That's why I love and I hate wisdom, because you can't argue with it. Because wisdom is, hey, this is just how life works. And it, it makes sense too, right? Hey, listen, if, if you're laziness, you neglect work, and you don't make any money, yeah, poverty will be a part of your life, and scarcity will come on you like an armed man. It makes sense. That's just how life works. But I think Solomon has a much bigger, broader point here to make more than just money. And I think it's this. I think that there is a massive difference between investing time and spending time. There is a massive, 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 massive difference between investing time and spending time, right? Like when you get into finances, and maybe some of you guys already do this, and if you do, that's amazing. Um, if you already invest money, that's unbelievable. That's awesome. You all should if you have it. Um, but I was a finance major, so I'm really passionate about that. But when you invest, let's just go with money for a second, right? When you, you can either spend money and you can invest money. When you spend it, you're giving it away to something and you're getting something in return, right? You got a Chick-fil-A sandwich or an iPhone or whatever it is. And you get some kind of good or service that you either consume or something that benefits you or some kind of material thing that's one day going to deteriorate and you're not going to use it anymore, right? Um, or you can also spending it, we got to spend money, but then you could also invest your money. And when you invest your money, you're putting your money into something and then you're going to get something in return. Now, your time works the very same way. You can either invest your time or you can spend your time. And Solomon, this is what he teaches us out of the proverb, that the ant, the ant intentionally invests its time, but the sluggard carelessly spends time, that the ant intentionally invests time, but the sluggard carelessly spends time, that, that the ant, it does what it needs to do, and it shows initiative, and it shows follow-through, and it shows responsibility, and it understands that there's a limited amount of time, and there's a certain time to do something, and it takes advantage of the time, and it intentionally invests it, and it makes the right decision. But the sluggard, on the other hand, is lazy, it neglects its responsibility, it neglects what it should be doing, and it spends its time. And, and for you, right, this summer, you can either choose to intentionally invest your time, or you can choose to carelessly spend your time. You can either choose to intentionally invest it, or you can choose to carelessly spend it. Now, here's what you don't need help with. Here's what you don't need help with. You don't need help with resting and relaxing this summer. You are going to do that. You're going to rest. You're going to relax. You're going to be lazy. You're going to have that day where you wake up and say, I'm not even going to brush my teeth. I'm going to sit in my pajamas and watch Netflix. You should do that this summer. You should go to the pool, get a tan, and order some Chinese food just because you can, right? You should go on vacation. I don't need to tell you to take it easy and to chill and to be lazy and just to relax this summer. I don't need to tell you to do that. You're going to do that. And you know what? There's a, a level of that that you should, and that's good for you. But here's what is not going to happen on its own. That 
Intentionally investing your time is not going to happen on accident. Intentionally investing your time isn't going to happen just because you, you wake up and all of a sudden it happens on its own. No, no, we spend time really, really well, but investing time takes intentionality. And so for some of you, right, I mean, summer, you could look like this. You can spend your time binging a new show on Netflix, or you can invest your time in a leisure activity that you actually enjoy and kind of fills you up. There's a difference there. You can spend your time in a relationship this summer that you're unhappy with because you're afraid to be alone, or you can invest your time in friendships and community that are going to help shape who you are. You can spend your time sleeping more hours than your body actually needs, or you can invest your time in your health and get to the gym and go running or something. Eight hours, I think, is all you need. You can spend time in front of multiple screens a day, or you can invest your time working to make money that you know you're going to need for the upcoming school year. You can spend time lying around the apartment or the pool every day, or you can invest in going on some kind of adventure, going somewhere you've always wanted to go, grabbing a friend and getting in the car and going just because you can. You can spend time on social media and video games and whatever else you can spend your time on, or you can invest in taking steps to grow your faith. You can invest time in reading a book that you've wanted to read before or a hobby or something that you've wanted to kind of get going in your life for all. You can either choose to carelessly, excuse me, <coughs> spend your time or intentionally invest it. And here's what's true. I can't promise that this is true, but I think generally, generally I can say that this is true, that when you spend your time, when all you do is spend your time, when your entire summer is just this idea of I'm just going to spend my time, it's just going to get spent, I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to make any plan, I'm not going to care about it, that when you s just spend your time, you are more likely to have less satisfying relationships. That when you just spend your time, you're going to lack a social life. Some of you don't need to add that to your life. When you just spend your time, you're more likely to have more regrets. That when you just spend your time, you might take on debt financially. When you just spend your time, you can even lack a sense of purpose. However, when you intentionally, and in a calculated way, in a planned out way, in a I've set a goal kind of way, when you intentionally invest your time, you're going to have a lot more meaningful relationships. You're going to have stronger family ties. You, you, you're more likely to have a lot more happy memories. You're more likely to have achievements you're proud of. You're more likely to have good health. You're more likely to have money in the bank or at least a lot less debt. You're more likely to have a strong sense of purpose. You're more likely to even grow influence and a legacy that you're proud of. And I think you're a lot more likely to have a faith that grows. And, and I really believe this, that when you spend time investing your summertime, I really think you will look back at your summer and think that's one of the best summers I've ever had because it was thought out. When you waste time, when you spend it, how often is it, man, I could have I done something else or, or that could have been better. But when you look back at a summer where, yeah, you spent it and you did some fun, lazy things, yeah, yeah that's great. But when, when you look back at a summer and think, man, I, I was really intentional and I invested my time you look back and think, yeah, that's one of the best summers I ever had. And this is what's so cool about this. I really believe that this honors God. Oftentimes, when we think about what it means to honor God with our time, it's like, well, God's honored when I read my Bible and when I pray and maybe when I sing. But I really believe that when we honor God, God is honored. I really believe that God is honored when we invest the time he's given us intentionally in things that we like to do 
and, and, and meaningful relationships and hobbies and a book, not just stuff necessarily connected to faith. God created you to enjoy things, and God created you to be around people, and God created you to be gifted in a particular way and to have certain interests, and he's given us this gift of time. And I think when we invest it intentionally, whatever that is, I think God is honored. And I think if Solomon was here, which he's not, so we'll just say me, but if Solomon was here, and this is what I would say, um, that my challenge to you this summer would be to intentionally invest rather than carelessly spend your summer time. Intentionally invest rather than carelessly spend your summer time. And, and, and when you get into, uh, when you... Again, finances, it's such an easy illustration when you talk about finances. But, but when you get into finances um, and, and you start buying stocks and bonds and different things to invest in, you kind of make yourself a stock portfolio, right? It's, it's like a, just basically the culmination of all the things that you've bought in the stock market. And, and, and it's calculated, there's a plan to it, and you've thought about it, and you've invested it, and your stock portfolio is made up of all the things that you've invested in. Here's what I want you to do this summer. In fact, here's my challenge that over the next week, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come up with a summer portfolio or a summertime portfolio. I want you to sit down, and I know you got school and finals and all that, but let's be real, you're not going to study all the time. Some of you aren't going to study, and you're going to do just fine. Some of you aren't going to study, and you're going to do terribly. Um, but anyways, that's a, that's a whole other thing. Um, I want you to sit down. I want you to think about what is going to go in my summertime portfolio. What am I going to invest in? I know I'm going to spend it. I know I'm going to be lazy. I know I'm going to pool and Netflix and, and all this stuff. Yeah, that's fine. That, that's going to happen. But what's going to go in my summertime portfolio? What am I going to invest in? Right? For some of you, what are some relationships that you want to invest in? Some of you are going to go home and see your families. Maybe, maybe you don't see them very much during the school year because you're just home, but, but what, what relationship do you want to invest in in your family? Maybe some of you have a little brother or sister, and you don't ever get to see them, and then when you get to go home, you're going to see them. Maybe they go in your summertime portfolio. If I could be honest, I, have, I'm three, I got three younger siblings, and my youngest sister, Christina, when she was in middle school, I was away at college. When she was in high school, I was away in Dallas going to graduate school, Dallas, Texas. I missed some of the most, the most important years of her life. And one of my biggest regrets, me and her have a great relationship now. I love her to death. And she loves Kobe, so me and her are having a blast, you know, talking about Kobe's last game and all that stuff. But one of my biggest regrets is that when I was home for those summers during her middle school and high school time, that I did not invest time into that relationship. I was really good at spending it doing a bunch of other stuff. But when I came home, I didn't make it a point to spend time with my sister who needed her older brother when she was in middle school. I didn't make a point to, to intentionally invest in that relationship when I was home into a sister that needed her older brother when she was in high school. So I would tell you that one of the most purposeful and one of the best investments that you guys can make is in your younger brother or sister, if you have one, when you go home this summer. So what relationship do you want to invest in? What relationship could go in your summer time? portfolio? What are some books that you want to read? Well, what's a book of the Bible that you've wanted to read, but you just kind of felt like you haven't had time for it? Or what's a Bible study you've wanted to work through, but school has always kind of kept you out of that? What book is going to go 
into your summertime portfolio? What's a hobby or interest that you've wanted to give more time to or just kind of try, right? Um, what, what have you wanted? Where have you wanted to go? Where have you wanted to travel? Guys, you're in college. Barring you can't afford it, you can do stuff cheap. You can literally go wherever you want. You can pick up and drive to Kentucky tomorrow if you wanted to. And then keep on going to Missouri and then maybe over to Kansas and then jump up there to New York, come back to South Carolina, hit Nashville and then Atlanta on the way home. Because you could if you wanted to. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to travel? What trip do you want to try to make happen? If anyone does that, tell me. If anybody makes that trip happen, I will buy you Chick-fil-A for a year. Um, what, what, what trip do you want to put in your summertime portfolio? What skills or strengths have you wanted to develop and you just haven't felt like you've had the time to do that? You've got the time to do that. Put it in your summertime portfolio. What ministry have you wanted to serve in at your church? Right? Maybe you let school kind of get in the way of that. Maybe this summer is a time for you to figure out how you can fit it into your schedule. So that way when you get to school next year, it's already a part of your schedule. And you don't have to try to fit it in. It's already there. Maybe you put that in your summertime portfolio. What friends do you want to see more often? Well, what, what, what relationships do you want to invest in? What friends do you want to really see and spend time with? Which friends do you want to put in your summertime portfolio? What job do you need to take? For some of you, the most responsible and ant-like thing you could do this summer is get a job. If you're thinking, you know what, it's fine, I'll just take on a little bit more debt in the fall and I'll pay it off when I get a big boy job, that is a terrible idea. Don't take on debt if you can help it. And some of you are like, well, I don't need the money, but it could be nice, right? Money isn't everything, but in college, it's something, okay? You kind of need it to live. When people say money isn't everything, I'm like, yeah, okay, but you need it, homie. Don't call me when you're out of all of it. You know what I mean? For some of you, the most responsible thing that you can do this summer is get a job and save up and have some money in the bank for next year so you don't have to take on debt. Or maybe you do that so you don't have to mooch off your parents. Have responsibility. Maybe for some of you, the most ant-like thing that you can do is get a job. And by the way, next week, don't miss next week because we're going to be talking about summer jobs and I'm really, really excited about that. But what do you want to put in your summertime portfolio? You want to talk about having the best summer ever? It's one where you have a summertime portfolio rather than like a receipt of expenditures, if I could take the illustration a step further. Don't just spend your time. You're going to do that. And it's going to be easy, and you don't have to think about it, but you could have the best summer ever if you looked back and thought about, yeah, yeah, I invested my time. And you won't regret it. But what you will regret is wasting these precious summers you have as a college student. So my challenge to you would be to intentionally invest rather than carelessly spend your summer time. So figure it out. Write it down. Make some kind of plan. Set some goals and create this summertime portfolio. And I'm telling you, you'll look back and think, I'm so glad that I did. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father. Thank you, um, thank you for time, and thank you for creating us to enjoy time. Thank you for creating us to enjoy different things, and also thank you for creating us to enjoy you. I pray students in the room tonight um, would seek to invest their time this summer, not just spend it. And I pray that as they seek to invest their time in relationships and in their faith and in their hobbies and in traveling and in different things, 
I pray, Lord, that they would experience fun. I pray they would have great memories, meet great people, build amazing friendships, and that their faith in you would grow as a result. Heavenly Father, thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.